Today's episode is brought to you by SightReadingFactory.com. Do you hate teaching sight singing? Do you have a carbon footprint the size of Sasquatch because you run off endless sheets of sight singing examples only to hear your students groan in agony when it's time to sight sing in rehearsal? SightReadingFactory.com is a web-based tool that will compose custom sight reading examples based on specifications that you choose. Your choir will actually enjoy sight singing and so will you. Plus, you will get back hours of your life and finally feel like the choir ninja you were destined to be. If that isn't cool enough, you can add student accounts that link directly to your teacher dashboard so your kids can practice or even take recorded assessments from home. As a sponsor of this show, SightReadingFactory.com has an exclusive deal just for you, Choir Nation. When you purchase their insanely affordable one-year subscription, you will unlock 10 free student accounts just for using the promo code NINJA at checkout. That's Ninja, N-I-N-J-A. So head over to SightReadingFactory.com. That's SightReadingFactory.com. And don't forget to use the promo code Ninja at checkout to unlock your 10 student accounts absolutely free. Choir directors are creative, resourceful, dedicated, and sometimes completely out of ideas. Not to worry, the Choir Ninja is here with solutions you never saw coming. Get ready for some time-tested wisdom from the master. Ryan Guth is the Choir Ninja. Hey there, Choir Nation. This is Ryan Guth with the Choir Ninja Podcast, and I'm very happy to have with me today John Duncan and Chris Muntz. We're going to jump into today's episode, which is three R's of sight singing. Those three R's are resources, routine, and rationale. So we're going to start by welcoming John and Chris. Welcome, John. Hey, yo. And Chris. Thanks for having us. Hey, so we're we're gonna just jump into the resources first. Let's start with uh, Sight Reading Factory. Um, I want to know, Johnny, would you let me know how you utilize Sight Reading Factory and and how you came to to learn about it? I learned about it. Well, I've had several directors mention it, talk about it before I actually used it. Uh, but I went ahead and took the plunge when I saw a great presentation by the great Kevin Coker former uh, Midwest colleague of ours who's now at Cincinnati working on his doctorate. And what I love about Sight Reading Factory, it is so customizable. So you can combine any combination of voices that you want. Um, You can have it unison examples up to like six-part, eight-part examples. Um, You can customize any level of difficulty of rhythms and pitch combinations and accidentals. You can even add dynamics and crescendos and decrescendos if you want. Um, if your kids are really great with pitch but sucky with rhythm, you can make the pitches really hard and the rhythms very easy or vice versa. Um, and I can even customize it to where um, our kids sight, sight sing for district and state choir auditions. And I can customize it so closely that it almost matches the exact kind of formulas with the sight singing examples that they perform on their own for district and state auditions. So what I love about Sight Reading Factory is it is so customizable. Um, 
and very uh, you can go very progressively through it with its like um, preset level one, level two, level three, up to level six, or you can uh, just go your own way and customize it however difficult or complex you want it. So Chris, let's back up for a second. Chris, could you explain to Choir Nation what exactly Sight Reading Factory is? Uh, yeah, it's a website that, um, like John, a lot of what John just said, uh, that allows you to create your own sight reading exercises for your kids that, um, that can be used, uh, for their own practice at home, uh, or it can be used in class as an instructional tool. Uh, we use our, uh, our sight reading factory for all of those reasons. We also use sight reading factory for generating audition material so that it's standardized. Uh, which is also a really good thing. If you set the parameters to be a certain, you know, certain difficulty levels of pitch and rhythm, um, length of measures, uh, that kind of thing, and you want to make sure your auditions are fair, um, then, and you want to make sure that everybody's getting the same level of difficulty in the audition, mm-hmm. uh, you can go right there with a couple clicks and have generated a an exercise. Uh, we also use it for that same reason for our uh, for for testing. We test all of our students individually in sight reading, and by setting the level to be consistent for each of the grade levels that you're assessing, um, then your data that comes back from those is better. Uh, so it's just um, it's a good way to make sure that your um, your progress from year to year you can measure because their their levels are always going to be the same. So it's it, like John said, it's very customizable. So Sight Reading Factory actually uses algorithms to to compose sight singing material. So it's not pulling from a database of pre-composed material. It's actually generating brand new examples every time you click generate after you obviously put in those parameters. So I think I think it's the coolest thing ever. Now, you use it on a smart wall, right, Chris? Correct. Okay. A big old movie theater size, yes. And then, John, you said that you you have it on a video projector with, like, Apple AirPlay? Exactly. Now, that's because you said, you said that you share your laptop with somebody who's taking attendance, so you can throw a sight-reading example up on the board, hit freeze, and then they can continue using your computer, which I think is exactly. great. It's a creative way to use AirPlay. Um, Awesome. Now I have a Promethean board at my school and that's how I use it. So, which is like a smart board. Uh, it's not as big as a smart wall and I, I'm super envious now that you have a smart wall, Chris, but, um, the Promethean board works for me. Now, Chris, I want to have you talk about the second sight reading, um, resource here. Cause I'm, we're not going to just talk about sight reading factory, even though they're a sponsor, I think it's awesome. There are other uh, really amazing things as well. So, um, you said you use a program by Patty DeWitt. Now, I hadn't learned about Patty until today. Would you talk a little bit about what that is? Uh, yeah, she has available on her website a, a CD. Uh, I don't know. It's When I bought it years and years ago, it was a CD. Maybe she has it downloadable now. I'm not sure. But um, it's, a, it's a file that is a PDFs of all uh, these exercises from the easiest four measure exercise you could possibly imagine all the way to two two and a half three page long four part exercises with polyphony um all the whole gamut uh where you can take your kids and, and the the benefit of that the reason why we might use that um on some days and not sight reading factory is simply because uh those are already already generated 
Um, I know what's going to be there exactly. I know what elements to talk about with those beginning kids. We primarily use it with the beginning kids because it is so easy. It's, it might, might even be easier. It is actually easier than a lot of the most basic exercises you would find on Sight Reading Factory. So if you want to truly get a kid started who's never read music before um, or, or they've never read music before uh, without a teacher singing the song to them several times before they try to sing it, which mm -hmm. isn't really sight reading, um, then, uh, then that's a good place to start. So we kind of have, the, those are our two primary resources that we use is Patty DeWitt's PDFs and Sight Reading Factory. And it's, it seems like they all, they both serve their own purpose in your program. They do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now, um, let's get into some of those more creative resources. John, you were talking about the importance, um, with me when, we, you know, we had a little warm up interview here, um, with me about the importance of tuning warmups would you talk a little bit about about that and how that actually plays into your your uh sight reading training with your with your kids yeah well um part of uh my philosophy behind sight reading is is not just that they can read the music but uh you know for practical purposes if the end goal is so that you can pass out an octavo and they could all read their own parts and have it lock in and be in tune those first couple of run-throughs then that's ultimately the end goal not just everyone singing in unison so i try to do as as much work with um sight reading in three four parts even with my very beginning kids um and then we also uh do activities where um they they might all start in unison and i will have them sing on solfege and we just move up the scale in different chords and the sopranos will move up, you know, two scale degrees and the altos will move down two scale degrees. And then we had chromatics and they just make different chords um, so they can hear what it sounds like when they're really, really in tune versus when they're not in tune as well. Um, I think that helps their ears and brains quite a bit. Awesome. So, so yeah, they're, they're always retuning and retuning and retuning. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So you're building their ears at the same time. Now, uh, Chris, you were talking about the idea of, of having section leaders instruct the choir at a certain level. Like wh when you have section leaders come out and, and run an example, are you having them run it in front of the whole choir or just their section? And, and at what point in the year maybe are, are you allowing them to do that? And are your section leaders like seniors? Could you talk a little bit more about, about um, section leaders helping to lead um, as a resource for, for sight yeah. singing? So, so it's not so much that they come out in front because, uh, oftentimes if we're doing an exercise that, uh, that goes beyond a sight reading factory exercise, maybe that's not a, just an eight measure excerpt, but an actual piece of music that we're trying to sight read, maybe getting ready for con contest sight reading or something. Um, then what we usually stand in circles and hold music on paper mm -hmm. in those scenarios. Um, and you know, the old fashioned way. Um, and as they stand in circles, so the section leaders are within the circle. Uh, and so when I, when I say go, the section leaders will step into the circle and start barking instructions. And, uh, because in Missouri, we're not allowed to sing during our preparation time. Um, it has to be all audiation or, uh, chanted spoken practice. Okay. So they will, they will have the, uh, they will help have the kids practice the rhythms by speaking the solfege, maybe by hand signing it in rhythm, uh, that kind of thing. Um, and they're, I, I start training them in ninth grade to, to find the kids that are, are 
with it enough to do that, I give lots of kids chances to try it on really easy exercises, even in ninth grade. Okay. To the point when we do it, uh, when we do it for real, um, it is mostly seniors who would do it. Um, and they, by that point, they're just so good at it. They, they know exactly what, what might cause the typical kid a problem when they're sight reading. And just like a teacher, they, they scan it while we're reading it the first time. And then they step into the circle and they share all the things that went wrong and figure out places to practice. And you basically don't really even need to say much as as a teacher at that point. I just say instruction leaders, take care of your business. That's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. So they, they tell each other what, what they did wrong. There's no reason for you to even need to address that at all. Right. That's great. That's, that is empowered learning right there. That is fantastic. Um, all right, so let's move on to our second section. That was resources. So we have Sight Reading Factory. We have the PDFs that you can buy uh, from Patty DeWitt. That's P-A-T-T-I-D-E, capital W-I-T-T. And then we also have, um, uh, you know, using integrating tuning warm-ups, uh, having section leaders instruct, you know, getting them in circles, um, having them speak to their, their peers about, about the ways that they can improve the next time around. So let's go to routine. So Chris, I'm going to have you lead this one because you have a, you have a quote that I think that Choir Nation should hear. So, so I'm going to do the quote now then? Well, you can do the quote because we're talking about when. This is routine. Right. This is when. Okay. So um, one of the things that I think uh, is the most common when I talk to people about uh, wanting to, uh, the, the belief that sight reading should happen every day um, and the, the most common retort I get is, oh, I just don't have time for that. Uh, we've got so many other things to do. Uh, and I would always say, you don't have time to not sight read every day um, and that you don't have time to not do it. Um, and I think that's really, really important uh, to wrap your mind around, especially if you're a young teacher, because I, like I was telling Ryan during our prep time, I didn't start doing this at the beginning of my teacher teaching career. And I would love to be able to go back and start from day one uh, teaching this way uh, because it's safe. Yes, you have to decide that you're going to dedicate the five or six minutes of every rehearsal to do it. And that might seem overwhelming at first. uh, But what you're going to do is in the long run, you will save yourself gigantic amounts of time when you can uh, like, you know, and this is going to this is not intended to sound like a brag. It's this is just what the result of doing this is is that on the very first day of school in my concert choir, I can play an F and rehearse Reinberger's Aventlied in six parts uh, without touching the keyboard once and being in the key of F still at the end of the rehearsal with 10th through 12th graders mm-hmm. on the first day of school. And these are kids that went, because the reason they can do that is because starting in ninth grade, they started sight reading every day. Um, and so you you can uh, you don't have time to not do it is the is the message because by doing that by investing that time especially when they're young uh, they will be able to uh, save you tons of time just by being able to fly through music that you normally would have to pound out so much of rehearsal time to, to just sing the notes. Okay, so this is the rationale conversation. So let's just skip to that. So and we'll go back to routine in just a second. So we oh, sorry. we went from resources to rationale, and that's no problem. So you were talking about you know it's safe. This is part of the long game. You know, if you do this every day, you build this habit into your into your rehearsal. And like you said, it's only five seven minutes of your rehearsal every time. Um, you'll be able to get to a point where 
you're not pounding notes anymore. You're opening the score, you're giving them a tonic, and you're having them sing. Uh, which is like, isn't that not every choir director's dream come true? Like, that sounds like a dream come true. Obviously, you're front-loading a lot. Uh, but, but, in order to, you know, but in order to play that long game, um, that's what you had to do. But, but the end result is totally worth it. Um, would you like to add a little bit to, to that, John? Well, uh, just that, um, you know, it's a dream for the choir director to get to that point, but it's also a dream for the kids because how many times, Chris, early in your career, just like me, when you were, you know, pounding out notes over and over again, you know, the kids would complain. We just do the same thing over and over again. It's the same thing all the time. And then you say, well, that's because you're not getting it right yet. They don't have the you know, the, the mental frame and the experience and the context to know what it could be if they knew how to sight read. So, um, you know, the kids like it better because they experience a little bit of success at the very beginning of class and it sounds good. You know, I mean, the girls are like, the sight reading is always so pretty. I'm like, well, yeah, cause it's, you know, in a major key and it's chordal and it's, yeah, it's really nice. So they, they like it. It's a little bit of a challenge and it saves everyone time in the long run anyway. So, I think yeah. we, we have to um, change our attitude towards sightseeing because I think sometimes people, and maybe in order to be the cool teacher, and I know I've definitely been guilty of this in the past, you know, okay, guys, you know, we need to sightseeing today. You know, and it's like almost like you're, you're coming at it like begrudgingly. And of course, the kids, right. the kids build up the like, oh, yeah, here's that thing we like just have to do. And, right. and if, you, if you bring that attitude towards sight singing then the sad thing about that is is that like you're just conditioning kids to think sight singing is like a chore and it's not a thing that should be separate from from music making it's like the key of to right. like being an independent musician right that gets you back to the routine part too because if you know if it's routine then you you don't even have the option of approaching it that way because your students won't even know what a class is without sight reading. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, we literally do it from the from the very first day of school in ninth grade. They don't know what a class period is without sight reading unless there's some really weird thing going on that day. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that it's a hundred percent accurate, but um, there if if choir rehearsal is happening as normal every day, um, then we will sight read as part of that rehearsal. Even if we only have 15 minutes, we're going to spend three of it sight reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the, the, and I think that the part of waiting, uh, of some teachers, maybe if you're, if you haven't bought into this idea, worrying that you've got a concert coming up in a month and you just don't have time to dedicate to that, you, you will, you will feel the benefit of that before your fall concert. It's mm-hmm. not like you're going to have to do this you're not going to have to do this for two years before you start to notice a difference. You will notice a difference before your fall concert and you will learn better music and you will learn it quicker um, by, by making them read acapella without the piano um, from the very first day of school. Have you ever just like made them sightseeing for like a whole period or do you feel like it just makes more sense to, to do the slow trickle uh, the slow trickle, uh, unless it uh, depends on how you define that, though, because we'll, we, you know, you pull out a sight reading exercise, but then you'd immediately transition into a new piece of music, and you're doing the same thing there. 
And that's your opportunity to, to show them, okay, remember those things, those exercises we just did, that scale in arpeggio series that we just sang to orient ourselves in mm -hmm. a key. Um, couldn't we do that here too? Because isn't it the same thing? Right. Our, the, the, the thing we just did up on the screen, we can do that with this piece of music that we're going to sing on our fall concert. And the sooner they see that it's the same thing, uh, that's when you start to, to get the idea. So yeah, we, of course we would sight read for an entire class at the beginning of a concert prep. All the new music is sight reading. I, I guess so that's I, true, but I mean, I, I mean, I, isolated exercise, sight reading exercises for an entire for an entire class right. period. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily do that. I, I would just I would spend the time sight reading new music that we're going to perform, so that they see some reason why we're doing it. Because that they the the faster they they, they buy in into why are we doing this work, uh, then the, they won't complain about having a sight read anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. And I, so I think this, John, did, did you want to add something to that? Uh, I would just add that, like with anything we do, you kind of have to assess the where the kids are mentally to know when you let things go and allow it to be a slow trickle moment or when you're going to really, really harp on it and make sure it's 100% perfect before you move on. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a t when I was teaching middle school, there was a time when my seventh grade girls were were just being mentally not uh not very aggressive mentally and they were missing some very very easy sight reading and we spent our entire 45 minutes on it because they were just making silly mistakes over and over again i was like i'm sorry that's not good enough you know mm -hmm. other days when you can tell you know they've been in block period for two weeks because of testing and stuff like that and their brains are just fried anyways sometimes you'll let some things slide too so i think you know it's it's a thing where um you just have to make decisions as a teacher like with anything else you do Gotcha. All right. Well, let's 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 jump into the. And those are very good points, John. Um, let's get into this routine uh, now. Obviously, uh, we had we had Chris's quote: "You don't have time to not sight read every day." So it is a given that sight reading happens every day, and I think that's been a theme throughout this podcast so far. So it's probably no surprise to Choir Nation that sight reading happens every time you meet. Might be the first five to seven minutes of the class and this happens at the beginning of the class but but uh do you all warm up first how does that work i think we both do vocal warm-ups first and then sight reading okay <clears throat> well you would you would concur chris yes yeah voice building uh first maybe some uh, uh acapella chord building exercises introduction we talk about different scales and modes uh, and then jump right into sight reading. Okay. So I, I would say warming up, and I try to do that pretty quickly. Uh, so because in my mind, the sight reading is still part of the warm up. It's it's part of, it's part of your getting ready mentally yeah. and physically for rehearsal. Um, and so I try to transition those as quickly as possible. Um, if things are going well that day, if everything is on schedule, the sight reading is already ready on the screen. I can mute the screen so that it's not turned on. Mm -hmm. The sight reading is already there. Warm-ups happen. We try to always finish with a solfege warm-up so that they're mentally prepared for the sight reading. And then I hit the button, the sight reading's up there, starting pitch, sing it, go, and we sight read it. Try to do it all as quickly as we can so we can get to the fun stuff. So how many examples will you do? Just one? Usually just one. Oh, wow. Okay. So so you're not, we're not, we're not just refreshing and making new examples for for five minutes you'll it might just take you that five seven minutes just to get through the one if you follow these steps so let's talk about the rest right. of the steps um you do sight read on solfege 
You yes. do sight read with hand signs. Yes. yes. Okay. Do do acapella. you use now? I know acapella, and now yes. I know yes. that sight reading factory will allow you to add solfege syllables in um, as one of the options. Do you do you let it? It does. It does, it Chris. Yeah, it'll let. Yeah, it's a it's an option you can choose to, to add syllables. Um, it'll add. It'll do it. Do bass minor. It'll do. It'll. I'm sorry. Do bass minor. It'll do la bass minor. It'll do fixed do, movable do, um, and it'll allow you to add those solfege syllables in. Um, but I'm assuming because you don't know about that feature that you guys you guys sight sing and add the solfege on on your own uh, as, yeah, you, as would, you read. I wouldn't select that option anyway. I, I wa- that's when I want them to try to figure out how to do it on their right. own is during that sight reading. That would be a crutch I wouldn't want them to use. Mm-hmm. Um, it, now, when we're learning something really hard in class for performance, it, it, there, it's not, quote, sight readable. Mm-hmm. Um, then then that's when I'll let them write in their solfege into their music and, and take that mental hurdle away. But okay. for a sight reading exercise, no. Same thing, John, for you? Yes. Okay. Now, um, let's talk about just the actual process. Once you get an example on the screen or you get a PDF in their hand uh, of, a, of, of an example or a new piece or whatever, um, let's, who wants to walk me through the process? I know we have some audiation and other things that, that, that happen. Um, Chris, do you want to walk us through that process? Sure. So, uh, like I said, starting pitch first, and we only give the tonic. Um, and so that whether it's a three or a four or a five-part, six-part exercise, it doesn't matter. They give the tonic um, and have them sing the starting pitch all together. So sing the first chord of the song. Uh, and we make sure that that's accurate and make sure it's in tune, make sure it's supported. Because during this time, we're not only teaching sight reading, we're teaching tone production. We're teaching vowel unification, mm-hmm. we're t- teaching nation so that very first chord has to be in tune that that or we will not go on so you're talking about well why why does it take five or seven minutes to sight read a one eight measure exercise well because we're not going to just go one two ready go and then just hope it's okay we're going to sing the very first first chord make sure it's in tune then we'll let them audiate and uh john and i uh, were both talking about before we try to have them audiate differently each time so sometimes maybe snapping a finger and audiating in rhythm uh me and for those those of us out there in the audience that don't know the term audiating it just means hearing the music in your head consciously and we do exercises at the beginning of the year to develop the skill um but that we we're trying to train them to actually hear and imagine the pitch in their head while using the hand signs uh, give them X number of seconds to do that, and then we take our first run at sight reading the piece. Then I'll ask them, um, okay, uh, altos, what was your trickiest measure? And let them raise their hand and say, measure t- two on beat three, we uh, didn't agree on what fa sounded like, or we got the rhythm wrong in measure two, or, or whatever. Let them evaluate themselves after we hash out some of those things. Maybe it, give them a couple chances to practice an interval that they had trouble with and then uh, try it again a second time. And I never let them read it, read it more than two, t- two times because what I always say is if we practice it more than two times, we're no longer sight reading, we're rehearsing. Right. And, and that, that's a different skill set. We'll spend that time on our, um, on our other music. So it, that, that five to seven, all that, ha- that, all that happens in about five to seven minutes. Wow. 
John, anything you want to you want to add to that? We do almost exactly the same thing, you know. Um, sometimes after audiating, I'll have them sing the last chord after they would have cut off, and I'll just say, "Okay, now sing your last chord," and then that's a really good um, measuring stick on how well they were audiating. Okay, so so the, so we, we're gonna give we're gonna give the tonic. We're gonna have them figure out. I just want to go back through this process. We're gonna give the tonic. We're gonna have them figure out their starting pitch. They're gonna sing their first chord, so that and and, and with beautiful solfege syllables, great tone, so that they, they sing it in tune and get the get the they lock in from the very beginning, and then you can begin the audiation process. And you're going to start them um, together, right? So you're going to you're going to metronome with your with maybe snapping your fingers, okay? And and they're going to actually be audiating everything at the same time. If there's rests, um, we said this in the pre-interview. You're going to actually shh on rests. You're going to use a a, 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 a um, long sort of uh, syllable. Um, sibilant syllable on rests, and then once they're done audiating, they're going to sing their last pitch all at the same time, just to just to sort of see if that audiation was was correct, and just get a little bit exactly. of a barometer on that. Okay, then um, then you'll run the example as normal. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and potentially uh, as a as a uh, shaming technique <laughs> if the alto struggled we can have the sopranos sing the alto part and go see look the sopranos can do it <laughs> right? Right. um we, but, but if we don't want to be like that we can just trade parts um or maybe help another group on their part or something like that and sing it through again one more time after two times then it becomes rote learning and we, we don't really need to go there um, and, and I and I wanted to t- touch on the fact um, that you know this really is this is jumping back to rationale just for a second, but this is so incredibly important in keeping the standards high as a choral director as an educator, right? Because because uh, I just said the word rote learning earlier. The, the words rote learning just a, a few seconds ago. And rote learning. Is something that you know a, a a dog with a note in his mouth could do. This is not something that you need an educator to to really uh, be a, an expert on. Uh, but the sight singing thing is is just empowering kids, giving them tools, um, and and you're you're teaching them that all important, uh, uh, you know, think uh, critical thinking um, uh, processes that are just missing from education nowadays you know these kids are so used to memorizing and regurgitating and memorizing and regurgitating based on our you know the the standardized testing and that sort of stuff that happens in education these days you're giving these kids um tools skills that are going to carry them very very far and you're also holding yourself up to a, a professional standard um that you can be proud of yourself does anybody want to expand on that I, I wanted to say that um, I think a lot of times the parents don't realize what what a skill that is. You know, if, if they're not a musician themselves, they think we just get to sing fun music and make it sound good, you know, and maybe they don't necessarily think about 
what a what a skill building process it is to teach our kids to sight sing. And I know Chris, you have your kids sight read at concerts, right? Uh, at one concert a year, yes, we have them sight read in front of the audience. And I try to like if there's ever um, an administrator in my room doing a walkthrough evaluation or a case manager sped teacher coming to observe a student, I try to make I try, I try to have my kids sight read in front of them uh, because I think that it's really impressive and I think it that's another way you can advocate for how academic your program is is by showing them you know this is a skill that uh, that we have to work on and they work really hard on it and then also like I'll have um, when we have our come see South night where the eighth graders come up and see all the sports and elective offerings we have um, I have a group of my kids sight read in front of uh, all the parents and, and students that are thinking about coming to South because I want them to, to see like what we do. You know, it's really fun, but it's also really academic and it's very mm -hmm. impressive. And um, I try, so I try to, you know, I try to show it off as much as possible too. So that advocacy right. piece is just to is built in automatically. Exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and very lastly, I want to hit on um, the idea of holding students accountable um, for their own sight singing ability. Um, now, I mean, Chris touched on it a little bit with he uses Sight Reading Factory in his auditions to sort of standardize the level that you're pumping out um, for a, a particular example. Like it's got, you know, the, you're, you know you're going to have these elements in every sight singing example, maybe for your auditioned choir or something like that for auditions for that choir. But, but every child in both of your programs is, is held accountable to be able to sight sing. How, how do you do that? Yeah, so uh, we, we test as part of their final exam, uh, every single kid, all 350 of them have to sight read uh, individually. And we have three staff members so we can make that go. Uh, in a, it still takes us about three days to do with all, all three of us um, helping with that process. Um, but in order to make it something that is attainable yet still holds people to, to accountability, uh, we came up with, in Lee Summit School District, we came up with a rubric to grade um, a sight reading final. Uh, all three of our high schools use the rubric slightly different. We have teacher, uh, you know, teachers that maybe have a slightly different philosophy about each one, but in general, we all grade it the same way. And it's, and it's a three-point rubric. There is either a zero, a one, or a two. And the way it works at Lee Summit High School uh, when I'm grading is a student who gets a zero is a kid who is, actually, let's be positive. I'm going to start with a two. A two is the best score you can get, and that means that you can get through the exercise accurately in the right key with the right notes and rhythms by yourself. That, that means with no teacher help other than the starting pitch. Mm -hmm. um, now, that does not mean you did it perfectly. It just means that maybe if you made a mistake, you recognized your mistake and were able to fix it without any teacher prompting, without any teacher saying, here's what so sounds like and playing it or singing it or Hey, did you notice where you were where you made a mistake? It's completely independent sight reading. Uh, so we we stress that because I don't the way the reason I have that value is because it, it, that's what a daily rehearsal is like. We don't expect kids to be machines. We don't expect them to never make mistakes. We expect them to recognize their mistakes and be and have the tools to fix them. So we we reward reward that with a two on our rubric. A one is a student who can sing the entire exercise accurately 
but they need teacher help a handful of times. How, you know, it's kind of up to our discretion how many times that is, but they, they need to be redirected maybe back to the, the key. Maybe they've drifted flat or drifted sharp. Uh, maybe they missed a note or rhythm and didn't notice and you had to point it out to them. That kid gets a one. A kid who gets a zero is a kid who cannot reproduce the exercise at all without the teacher singing along or playing along. Um, and I would say out of 350 kids, uh, even in the very first semester they've been in choir, we probably give about five, maybe 10% zeros. Uh, and the rest of the kids after a semester can get a one or a two on the sight reading test. Now, how um, does that affect their grades? I mean, is, is that something you, that you, fa you factor into the final grade? And, and if so, yes. is it like, is it a 100, a 50, and a zero? Or like, what, what, is, what does that look like in points? Oh. Yeah, so uh, when we're giving actual points, because of course every choir teacher knows that you don't want uh, that you want to have some academic rigor, but at the same time you don't want to tank your program uh, by giving a whole bunch of kids B minuses um, that right. that would then quit choir. Um, so uh, what we kids do is quit that, choir on B minuses now? Holy moly! Yeah, that well, they're with the, their pressure. They feel to have perfect GPAs and the scholarships and everything. But uh, so what we do is a two. A two on a rubric is an automatic. 50 out of 50. It's worth 50 points on their of uh, half their final. They do also do a written final. Um, and so so ha a, two, a two on the rubric is an automatic 50. A one on the rubric, we could give them anywhere from 30 points to 49 points, uh, depending on how how much help we had to give them. So oh, I see. Only, so if we, if we, and that's teacher discretion. So if the teacher that's grading the final uh, maybe just had to, they drifted about a half step flat and they needed to be, to find that, the pitch accurately again, but that was the only mistake they made. I'm giving that kid a 45 out of 50, 47 out of 50, something like that. There's really strong sight readers, but it wasn't perfect. Um, there wasn't, they never got it to be perfect. A zero, uh, it has some leeway too. It could be all the way from zero points out of 50 for the kid who literally just did not try. Like they, they made no visible effort to make any noise, any kind of uh, mental thought process, mm -hmm. uh, all the way up to 29 points. So 20, they could get 29 out of 50 if they they made they tried their darndest. They sang the whole time. They just needed a teacher singing along with them, but they demonstrated that they could still kind of function. Mm -hmm. uh, so there we so as far as the actual points in the grade book, we do have quite a bit of leeway. Awesome. I think that's a great that's a great system, and it's like it's not this gigantic matrix of you know, let's select their level of tone quality. Let's look at rhythm accuracy, pitch accuracy. It's very like quick and dirty, cut and dry, and it but it all does offer that bit of flexibility oh, as well. Yeah, and I'll add that that's an important philosophical decision we made uh, when we created the rubric because we didn't want our our kids going into an evaluation process with sight reading just tallying mistakes mm -hmm. because I don't think that's what music is about. I don't want them going in there and going, oh, like I made a mistake. I've made three mistakes already. I can't get an A. Like I, I've, I don't want that because that builds anxiety. Um, so to me, it's I'm more interested as a teacher in knowing um, how they think through the music and seeing how they process the music. Uh, and that's that's what I want to collect data on, which is why we use that rubric score and uh, which is independent from their their letter grade. Because then I can look at the I can look at our spreadsheet that we generate after we take the test, and I can see, all right, we got sixty percent of the kids to the two level, we got forty percent of them to the one level, and we've got a few of those zeros left, mm -hmm. and that allows us to quick just do a quick glance of how we're doing semester to semester on our data. Awesome. Well, John, 
Would you like to give any closing thoughts? And I'll turn it back over to, to Chris for a closing thought, and then and then I will I will thank you for being on the on the show. Well, Chris talked a lot about the formal assessment side, and I think that um, on the informal side, uh, the hand signs are such a great tool because it's very easy for you to scan the room and really see who's making this, especially during that audiation time. Mm-hmm. Very easy to see who is really working hard and who isn't trying at all. And um, that can, uh, it, it, if you're talking about being an efficient teacher, working smarter, not harder, when you need to assess kids for their kind of daily participation, rehearsal skills type grades, uh, not saying that I'm looking for reasons to mark kids off, but you know their effort during sight reading is almost always identical to their effort in the rehearsal of your concert literature. So it's very easy to kind of gauge who's phoning it in and who's putting an effort uh, in that sight reading part at the beginning of class. That's a great point. That's a great point. Now, anything for you, Chris? Um, no, I just I think uh, we've covered a lot. I, w- I would just say um, we both John and I am I'm sure I'm speaking for him. Uh, we covered a lot of big picture things today uh, with this, but of course, is in a condensed amount of time. If anyone has any questions about like the more specific details of what a class looks like or or what we do in certain scenarios, if you're new to this. I just know that because of the fabulous internet that really wasn't a thing when I started teaching in terms of being able to communicate with each other and colleagues and stuff, um, I, I know I'd be happy to answer questions. I'm sure John would, would as well um, because I think uh, our, our kids deserve it. Uh, they deserve to the, the sense of empowerment that they will feel when, uh, when they can get the right answer from their own brain mm-hmm. and not because you sang it for them, not because you played it from that for them, um, the, the light that will go off in their eyes when they're able to generate music from their own self uh, is something that they deserve. So uh, I would encourage everybody to, to get on the, the daily sight reading bandwagon and, and uh, do it with us. I want to thank you both for being here. Make sure, Choir Nation, that you check out Sight Reading Factory and also join us on the Choir Nation Facebook group as well because Chris and John are both there. So if you've got questions, tag them in a post and I'm sure they'll be able to answer them. So thank you very much for joining me and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. All right, thank you. From one ninja to another, sayonara. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right, Choir Nation, don't go anywhere just yet. We have Denise Eaton next week. She is a rock star, superstar, Texas choral director, retired music educator, and somebody that you need to know if you don't know her. Monday and Friday next week, she'll be with us. Monday, she'll be talking about the considerations that you need to have in your mind when you are choosing repertoire for your choir. And on Friday, We'll be speaking about her systematic layering approach to teaching individual choral pieces from the first to the last rehearsal. It is so value-packed, that episode, that I actually took the show notes from the episode and taped them to my music stand at my school so I can follow her approach with my own choir to the T. So it is awesome. It's amazing. And I hope you join us next week. If you love the podcast, text somebody right now and tell them you got to check out the Choir Ninja podcast. That would mean a lot to me. Obviously, 
uh, you can go to iTunes, leave a review. That actually helps us uh, to get more exposure. The algorithm on iTunes helps it bumps us up a little bit. If you if you do a, a positive rating for us over on iTunes, join me on, on Facebook. And lastly, support Sight Reading Factory. Uh, that is the sponsor for this, this show. They have an insanely inexpensive account uh, for, for teachers. And you'll get 10 free student accounts to try out uh, for the life of your, of your subscription with the promo code NINJA when you check out. So hope you enjoy it. For the show notes of this episode, because I know there's a lot of notes, for the show notes of this episode, head over to ryanguth.com forward slash 081. Or if you're listening in the future, choir.ninja forward slash 081. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a very wonderful weekend. You're still here? Oh, wow. I am so impressed.